0: A parliamentary investigation into. The- oh, for fuck's
1: sake! <laughs> is, is, is this your
0: maiden speech podcast? But
1: <laughs> it is. <laughs> I shouldn't be interrupting, then, should I?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You shouldn't interrupt uh, at all, and I should uh, do it entirely in Latin. Yes.
1: It's Friday, May the 13th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Darach, Dutch News contributing editor and Swan Stalker, and with me today is Pal Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Belgian Railways Reject.
0: Yeah, you, you are a swan stalker, but you might have, uh, might have also been a, a buzzard stalker, right? I could have, well, no, no, the other way around, the buzzard could have been
1: stalking me, but thankfully oh, yeah, it right. wasn't. Because the <laughs> the horror of the uh, of the killer buzzards has uh, raised its uh, ugly specter again this week in, um, I think somewhere over in uh, Offereisel. I think Twente, yeah, Twente, yeah, in Twente, yeah. yeah Tw- Twente reported on it. Yeah, th- th- this is a personal nightmare I have since I was swooped on by a buzzard while I was out running in Drenthe a few years ago, and I keep reading stories in regional Dutch newspapers of people who've been attacked by buzzards while out running, and they you, you always see a picture of them with sort of blood all over their face, <laughs> and like yeah. it's like the photographer actually gets around and takes and makes them take off all their bandages <laughs> or something, or get them to smear tomato ketchup over their heads, yeah, so t- t- to make the t- to make the story especially. Horrendous. Terrific. And I think uh, it just gives all me the flashbacks every time. Yeah, I wasn't I mean, actually—I actually escaped unscathed from my particular um, close encounter with a buzzard, but it was still very frightening.
0: I think all the local newspapers just have uh, just hired a photographer, especially <laughs> uh, to to just walk around in in the forest and just uh, taking pictures of everyone who 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 who, uh, uh, who, who comes out of the forest uh, covered in blood. Yeah, uh, I, I think they just uh, prepare for this. But you were stalked by another bird. So what was that about?
1: No, I, I was just I was just out um, this week and I was stalking a swan, uh, or rather, th- th- there was a swan just very uh, crossing <laughs> the road. And what I love about um, uh, the uh, Uh, living in the Netherlands is the way that everyone stops for birds when they cross the road like (laughs) flocks of geese or swans or whatever and this swan just making its way across the road in a very sort of kind of stately fashion just up um, by uh, in in a sort of little road that crosses through a a very small uh, strip of Nature reserves up where I live. It's, a, it's actually the former. Um, uh, it's called the Roy Krasplansoon. Uh, the, the, the Germans supposed um. to raised a whole s- uh, section of the uh, of, uh, the suburbs of the Hague near the beach and uh, dug tank trenches. And at the end of the war, the Dutch filled them in and made them into this nice kind of pastoral <laughs> area, uh, the, the kind of wetlands area that uh, is now full of swans and ducks. And it's you know, the
0: Oostvaardersplasse of of, of German, It's a very very uh, Atlantic, small uh, scale
1: Oostvaardersplasse, indeed. Yeah, yeah courtesy <laughs> of the Germans. But yeah. um, uh, but but yeah, it was just the way this swan was very gracefully making its way across the road, and all the cars were slowing down and stopping for it. And then it sort of got to the other side, and I could see it was one of a pair. There was another swan on the other side. The, the, the other swan didn't come with it, and this one sort of stood there and waited for about ten minutes. And then turned oh. around and very slowly and very gracefully made its way back across the road again. Um, so and presumably then uh, I had a big argument with his partner about why it didn't come across why it didn't cross the road with it.
0: I just sent you a picture of uh, something I encountered, uh, uh, well, literally f- 30 minutes ago when I was wa- uh, looking outside my window. I saw yeah. these geese with, uh, with their chicks uh, crossing the road. Uh, yeah. and, and, and the fun thing about this is that these geese, they always uh, use the pavement as if they are normal people, right? Yeah. They, when, yeah. when they're walking around. So yeah, that's, uh, uh, it's, it's indeed always a fascinating sight to see. Yeah. And uh, yeah, very fun
1: yeah so oh there we are yeah they look very cute those baby geese
0: they are but they're very loud uh, they are yeah, very noisy i yeah, might yeah, add that yeah. is
1: true yeah it's it's not what you want this time in the morning
0: uh, yeah um and uh
1: you were stranded in brussels this week uh trying to get, uh, <laughs> trying, to get to, trying to get to london or come back from london or something what was going on
0: no, no, luckily, luckily, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't <laughs> fall victim to to the to the terror of uh, of a French of, of a Belgian princess. Mm. Uh, no, there was a story popping up, and I I, I think it's weird. It only popped up at Hainstein, uh, and uh, it wasn't picked up at all uh, at the rest of the media. But it turns out that. People who were trying to uh, travel from London to Amsterdam uh, were kicked out of their train in Brussels uh, because that Eurostar train, uh, yeah, all of a sudden or last minute had to return to London because uh, a Belgian princess had decided that she was uh, taking the train <laughs> to London. So all these people, uh, yeah, were kicked out in, in Brussels. And if you've ever been to a train station in Brussels, that's not a place you want to be <laughs> at. Um, and they had to, you know, transfer to to the to, to the uh, regular train services or so the international train to uh amsterdam or um uh, uh, a national train to, to to Antwerp and um yeah they were all complaining about it and mm. yeah i thought uh it was a kind of a kind of a weird story but also weird that it wasn't picked up at all by other media i think because uh, it's it's definitely something that would uh cause enormous upheaval in the netherlands if, if a similar thing would have happened uh, in the netherlands if princess amalia uh would have uh, yeah kicked out everyone of a train because she wanted to go to uh, i don't know enschede um, or something but uh, yeah so that, that kind of strange i think yeah it's
1: kind of extraordinary it's 2022 and everything still just stops for the royals right i mean yeah. how can this still be happening I don't li- know. Li- literally, uh, it, everyone. It, if she decides on a whim to go to go to London, that they then have to cancel an entire train service and throw hundreds of people off. Um, uh, yeah, off the train, who then have to make their own way
0: home. It's, yeah, it's, I, it's I, I, tr- I don't it's know crazy. if this is common practice in in Belgium. <laughs> it probably is. Uh, I, I yeah. it probably is. I do. I do know that they are. Um, Treated much differently than you know, the Belgian royals are treated much differently in Belgium than, than in the Netherlands, I think. Um, uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, I can't imagine something like this happening yeah. in the Netherlands I, I mean, without I, I causing I can see, it all. I can see pass, I now
1: why that woman was so keen to have herself recognized as the, uh, as, as the son of the king if you get all these privileges. You <laughs> go anywhere, the way you like, by yeah. train.
0: <laughs> you, mean, you mean this bastard lady?
1: His illegitimate daughter, who, who went yeah. to court to have him uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, have him legally recognized as her father.
0: Yeah, she yeah. spent uh, decades or something yeah. in court, right, over yeah. this. Yeah, and she won in the end. And there was a very awkward yeah. photograph <laughs>
1: where they actually sat in a room together. You know yeah. him with the woman who had been suing him, or you know uh, you his know, daughter who's dragging him through for the it. courts for, yeah. for for like twenty five years or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was Princess Astrid uh, <laughs> yes. of Belgium uh, who went uh, who went to London. Uh, I have to say, not the bastard child. Um, okay. uh, <laughs> and she went to London for the Belgian economic mission to the UK. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's strange uh, that that this happened. I uh, yeah. So,
1: so her contribution to the Belgian economic mission to the UK was to completely disrupt. Like a, yeah. the Belgian economy by, commandeering an entire train for herself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, pu- and putting
0: all these hardworking, uh, hardworking <laughs> Belgians yeah. uh, and taxpayers that uh, that that, that uh, have these economic uh, uh, ties and relations to the United Kingdom, uh, and yeah. uh, and 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 have them suffer Schiphol-like experiences in Brussels.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good job, I tell you, that um, that nobody like Nigel Farage is on the train getting, getting stuck <laughs> in Brussels when he's trying. It back to London. I mean, that would have, you know, that, 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 that would ironic. probably have prompted a renegotiation <laughs> of the Northern Ireland Protocol or something. <laughs>
0: yeah, but uh, yeah, just don't let uh, Nigel Farage negotiate anything because that, uh, yeah, will uh, definitely turn out uh, to be a mess. I think. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, um, it usually does. Um,
1: it, yeah.
0: Speaking of a mess, <laughs> I was going to say speaking
1: of messes, but also speaking of people who. Uh, uh, well, so, 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 uh, speaking of antiquated traditions we can't get rid of um, <laughs> That kind of all brings us rather nicely round, actually To uh, yeah. the subject of the Opeth of the Week this week
0: it does, because uh, the op of this week comes from The Hague, where the Tweede Kamer held a debate on the childcare benefit scandal, in which, uh, of course, thousands of people were falsely accused of fraud by the tax office. Uh, these people were all forced to pay back uh, the money they had received, and that often financially ruined them. A parliamentary investigation into the scandal led to the resignation of Prime Minister Mark Rutte's third cabinet in January 2021, but the same four-party coalition returned in power after the general election of March 2020. One. That was the backstory. Now go to the to the present day. The debate on Thursday focused on the 1675 children who were removed from their homes by social workers after their parents ran into problems as a result of the scandal. Uh, the real number is probably much higher because voluntary removals and cases before 2015 are not included. And many victimized parents and children attended the debate, which was also watched by many people at home. And uh, then VVD MP Ruud Verkuyler caused enormous opposition path. Uh, it was uh, the first time he took the floor in the Tweede Kamer and he, yeah, quite shamefully insisted on the parliamentary convention not to allow interruptions by other MPs during this so-called maiden speech. Mm. Uh, This basically meant that other parties couldn't ask any questions to uh, the party of Prime Minister Mark Rutte, who, as the leader of four cabinets, bears the ultimate responsibility for the scandal. And outraged opposition MPs couldn't believe Verkuiler insisted on this convention during such an important and sensitive debate. They uh, they felt it was really, really inappropriate, and they asked uh, uh, Tweede Kamer chair Vera Bergkamp to intervene, but she said the uh, no interruption um, rule was granted to anyone regardless of the debate. Even though it wasn't, uh, it isn't uh, uh, specifically a part of the um, Tweede Kamer rules. Mm. Um, the offended parents uh, attending uh, the debate left the parliamentary chamber out of protest, and the move also led to, yeah, I think almost unprecedented upheaval online. I don't think I've ever seen so much outraged, outraged um, comments and it's an enormous storm it was really yeah. an enormous storm um and after his speech for Kyle back down he said he was uh, he had made an error of judgment and later he tried to correct his mistake and asked if he could return to the lectern to receive questions by other MPs uh, which he did but yeah at that point the damage was uh, was already done yeah. to say the
1: least it's just it's just bizarre that Anyone could have thought that this was acceptable, given that he was—I mean, he was put up by the Fédéral, or the, the Fédéral decided he should be the person speaking on behalf of the party in this debate on this issue that has caused so much consternation around—and then to, to kind of put this um this rule about not interrupting maiden speeches somehow to think that takes precedence over uh, especially when the seriousness of the debate especially yeah. when dozens of parents have travelled to parliament to sit in the public gallery and expect to hear answers to their questions from the parties of government. It's just extraordinary that, that and, and I can't believe that nobody, that, that anyone, not 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 just for Cowan himself, but also everyone else in the Fawcett Day, that people were not just paging him furiously, saying, "Come on now, yeah. we, 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 we can't credibly stick to this, you know, the, 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 this rather, you know, as much as it's a nice rule for new MPs to have a bit of breathing space. The, 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 this was this was not the time to uh, to, to, to be insisting on it when. Opposition parties had serious questions to ask of the government, and uh, you
0: know. Yeah, because it is a very serious matter, of course. Yeah. Sixteen hundred seventy-five children uh, didn't grow up with their parents. Uh, yeah. As a result, or uh, largely as a result of of this scandal, it is it is just I just can't imagine that anyone knew about this. I just can't imagine that so, no one has said to him, "This might not be a good idea," because yeah. it happened before, right? I mean, this it is a convention that uh, when an MP gives a speech for the first time um yeah uh, often this person then just you know uh, outlines his personal um uh, uh motivations to yeah. to become a politician and to sort of uh, explain his or her worldview I mean that's all very nice uh, but it happened before that that MPs had said well this is probably not the time to to uh, uh to to um uh, apply this uh, uh, this convention uh, remember the April 1st debate right mm. uh, which was um it, it, it's all related it's in a way it was also uh, about the child benefit scandal wasn't it yeah um, this is a uh, debate
1: where Rutte where, where was under pressure to, uh, to, to yeah to, well, it was being asked uh, repeatedly if, if, if you if you would resign over the child benefit scandal right? yeah, yeah and
0: um, um, uh, uh, the debate was also about um, uh, uh, mm-hmm. his comments he had made about Pieter Omtzigt the CDA of Den and CDA MP who sort of um, um, yeah uh, uncovered this, uh, the whole scandal uh, uh, almost single-handedly. Mm. Um, th- at that debate, there were also a lot of new parliamentarians and a new a lot of new MPs, and they said, "Well, let's just not stick to this convention right now because the matter at hand is just too serious uh, and too pressing to uh, to uh, to uh, to, uh, to insist on this rule." Um, so yeah, it happened before, and I I just can't imagine. I mean, if he just, uh, his speech was, was partly about, you know, his personal worldview and was also partly about uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 about the scandals. If he had said, well, let me just finish my, you know, uh the personal part of my speech, and mm-hmm. then after that, everyone can interrupt me. I mean that would have been fine. I think I mean, it would still have been a weird timing, I think, mm. but you know that would at least have allowed m p s to 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 answer him questions and um I just can't imagine what <laughs> what anyone had <laughs> yeah, anyone at the favor day it, it had just thought odd about the favorite
1: day this. put up a rookie m p to to speak in this debate rather than an m p who'd actually been in parliament. Yeah, when the scandal was going on, at least during the last term of uh, the, the cabinet, they had. I mean, there are enough faithful MPs to choose from. It's not like they're a, 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 a four-member party or something. Like a, that's right, but
0: yeah. I mean, he is the he is the expert on this topic, and he was brought in a couple of months ago, and this was just happened to be the the first right. real parliament a, a plenary uh, debate he was uh, he was present at. Um So yeah, that that that's just a coincidence, I think. But yeah, it's. Yeah, uh, not, not a good look. At least we could say that the VVD stopped caring about public opinion, about the optics. <laughs> Perhaps that, that is a good sign, uh, but that's the only positive. Uh, yeah, but they
1: also seem to stop caring about, you know, the things, uh, small things like um, uh, holding the government to account, which is not such a good <laughs> sign. <So laughs> yeah, that's not <laughs> a good because sign. Because I mean, they thought though. that, you know, uh, conventions about maiden speeches were more important. So there yeah. we are. yeah. This week, the Cabinet is in a pickle over its spring budget plans. Overcrowding into Apple refugee camp hits a new crisis point. The Dutch scrape through the Eurovision semi finals, and Erik Ten Haag bows out at Ajax
0: with a trophy. Um, are we sure it's Erik Ten Haag who's going to leave uh, Ajax? or...? Well, uh, is it one of the other uh, identical-looking uh, I mean, trainers? It's hard to say, really. I mean, <laughs>
1: it could be anyone. I mean, I mean, literally, if you had an identity parade of, of Dutch, you know, <laughs> if, if you were mugged in the street by a Dutch football coach, it would be important. And then there'd a lineup of Dutch football coaches, and said, "Who? Which of these men attacked you?" It'd be impossible to tell them apart, wouldn't it? It's
0: no, like- no. <laughs> They're all bald and they wear sweaters and they yeah, have a They're all bald. They've,
1: they've all got sort of small, neatly trimmed beards. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, yeah, we just noticed this this week. I mean, Eriksen Haag, also Peter Boss, who's the previous IX coach, and Ari Slot, who's coach of Fire Nord, and the new. Uh, the new IX coach uh, all all look identical it's like those paintings, if, if, if you go into the the Herse historic museum you have these uh, there's a room with these group of these paint of these um group portraits of like administrators <laughs> all in their colors with the long beards, and they all look yeah. absolutely identical it's, it's kind of like that you know?
0: yeah it's, yeah it's it's all it's also like um, uh, 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 I saw a picture of I believe Charles Michel, um, the European Union guy yeah. and and um, Uh, i think it was the foreign uh the foreign minister of the ukraine and someone else and they all all, also looked uh looked identical uh, you know bald with a beer and uh, and glasses Uh, and even the uh, official ukrainian uh, twitter account made a joke about that (laughs) everybody
1: is slowly morphing into Franz timmermans which is quite alarming (laughs) Prime Minister Mark Rutte embarked on an odyssey this week to try to persuade opposition parties to back his spring budget package. The interim statement is often a formality, but this year Rutte acknowledged that he faced an unusually tough task, securing support for the plans, and that's for several reasons. Firstly, the economic picture is just a lot worse than it was even when the Cabinet took office back in January and uh, committed itself to some very big spending plans that are now starting to weigh like quite a heavy burden. (coughs) Uh, Russia, of course, has invaded Ukraine. Inflation has shot past 9%, and the European Central Bank is expected to raise interest rates as early as July. And related to that, the government has taken on some extra financial burdens. It's pledged to spend 2 billion euros to help people on low income pay their energy bills. Uh, it's raised defence spending in response to the war in Ukraine, and it's got to find between 7 and 12 billion to compensate investors after the Supreme Court ruled that its wealth taxes breached European law. And the cabinet doesn't have a majority of seats in the Senate either, so that means it needs to find at least one opposition party to back its plans. But of course, the opposition parties are going to demand a very heavy price for their support. So this week, Rutter and Sigrid Kach, the finance minister, sat down with opposition leaders to try to thresh out a deal before June the 1st, which is the deadline for Kach to present the spring budget to parliament.
0: Yeah, and the images were outstanding i think
1: fascinating yeah i'm guessing your favorite one is one of thierry looking like he's holding a teapot or something an imaginary oh, yeah. teapot in, uh, yeah and,
0: and and this this um uh, uh in, in the foreground blur a little bit blurred you see sigrid kaag you know uh, and in her eyes you, you just can't see that she desperately wants to leave as soon as possible she wants to be anywhere uh, else with please. with, with diana speed uh <laughs> And uh, no, uh, yeah, the, the Mark Rutte, uh, Prime Minister Mark Rutte and Finance Minister Sigrid Kaag, they, they uh, yeah, spent their week um, uh, visiting the offices of the uh, of the Tweede Kamer um, factions. Uh, they, they started with bye I think, yeah. uh, but uh, quickly they, they already left because uh, uh, Silvana Simons is still at home recovering from a COVID infection. Um, and then they went to Forum for Democracy. And yeah. um, I mean, their office just. I mean the interior and how they had decorated it. it was just everything <laughs> I never knew I always expected they yeah. had these these outlandish Persian carpets on the floor, these chesterfield uh, uh uh couches um uh, weird portraits of of obscure philosophers uh i imagine yeah. um and of course. Uh, the dead lavender plant, <laughs> the famous dead lavender plant, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which yeah is a I first of, spotted it. Yeah, I first spotted it in twenty seventeen. <laughs> I uh, I had reconstructed uh, uh, my my uh, lavender watch um, history. Uh, I first spotted a huge basket of lavender uh, sitting on uh, standing in the window of of Thierry Boudet's office in the old binnenhof. Mm. And over the years, gradually, this basket started to die and die and die (laughs) is this (laughs) a metaphor for anything do you think I, I'm sure this is a metaphor for something, <laughs> and at some point, this just basket of lavender was just, you know, literally completely dead. And yeah. uh, this was the first time I saw the offices in the new Tweede Canada building, and they just moved the the dead basket of lavender yeah. to the to the new building. Yeah. I just, it's really strange. So, it, but yeah. at least I I had a new tweet I could make with a screenshot of of all the, you know, sort of the uh, the development of yeah. the deterioration of the basket of lavender. <laughs> um, so that was yeah. nice. Uh, they th, th, th th, th also went to Denk, uh, which uh, uh, was founded by these two uh, 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 MPs <laughs> of so Turkish leg, descent. Da da, da
1: Dutch Turkish MPs, yeah. Yeah,
0: Dutch yeah. Turkish MPs. And I noticed that uh, they offered them uh, one stroke waffle uh, <laughs> for the coffee. So their <laughs> integration has uh, successfully completed, yeah. finally. Uh, <laughs> well, although,
1: was it a miniature stroke waffle? It can't be a full it, size no, stroke waffle. It was rifle. just a regular size, um, I think. Uh, so they still have something to work on. Yeah.
0: It's not 100% perfect, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the photos were, were, I mean, they just had to beg, right? It was, it w- it was a tour of, of beggars, and yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, it was very uh, fascinating to yeah. see the pictures. Yeah, came,
1: came, came up with this line, and she said, it, it's not a, we're not on a begging tour, we're on a pilgrimage <laughs> or something. Like a, it came yeah, Bedelfart, man, no. Bedeltocht.
0: But yeah, it clearly was a Fat. Yeah, it really was, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, they went to the opposition parties, and what, what were their reactions? As I said earlier, they're kind of
1: playing hardball um, because they know they can. They've got yeah, um, the, yeah the, the, they've got Rütters' balls in a vice basically, and uh, Rutter and Kach spoke to all the opposition parties. But it basically boils down to two options: uh, either they go with Hoolinks and PFDA, who of course have formed an opposition pact and a fifteen-point plan for a progressive, uh, a progressive opposition agreement, um, and they have fourteen senators between them, so a very powerful group um, in the context of the coalition needing to find six extra votes in the Senate. They want the government to rebalance the budget um, comprehensively uh, to protect low earners. Uh, they want more, even more money for people uh, who are struggling to pay their heating bills. They want to raise the minimum wage. Possibly they've, the, the figure's been banded around as €14 Euros an hour, when at the moment it's uh, just over 11 And they want uh, higher taxes on savers. And this is all to do with the Supreme Court ruling that says the government has to pay back a lot of wealth taxes that it claimed um, uh, from investors and people with capital over the last three years. And basically PayFidia uh, are keen to see as me- much of that money reclaimed uh, immediately as soon as possible through a new tax on savers that is legally compliant. Rutter said uh, he'd had a good conversation with Jesse Klaver and Adjikäuken, but uh, Klaver was uh, pretty scathing, really. He kind of said there was a total lack of ambition. Um, and he said, uh, quote, if the prime minister fell from the roof, he'd stand up and say it was a good fall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was That's a pretty funny... Uh <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's. Um, uh, 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 I started to call them uh, Het Klaverkuiken. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this combination of PVDA and uh, GroenLinks. And it was the first time Atje Kuiken came into action as the uh, yeah new leader of the Labour Party, right? But, yeah, uh, since she
1: took over from uh, Liliana Ploumen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, so, what is the other option?
1: Well, the other option is uh, either they go uh, to the left with Huling's pvdr or they lean to the right and get on board with Jain um, in, in who, in a kind of a rather curious uh, uh, construction. Uh, they don't have any senators themselves, but there is a seven-strong faction led by Annabelle Nanica, who broke away from Guess Which Party? Forum for Democracy <laughs> <laughs> broke away. Yeah, one of the many myriad splits from Forum for Democracy. Uh, Leftist group of seven senators who are um uh, 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 who have an allegiance to Yain and Twintuch because Nannykar is in w- w- one of the leaders of the party. Uh, they want to restore the link between pension rises and the minimum wage, which is one of the things the coalition said they were going to do away with, so that uh, when the minimum wage goes up, pensions don't go up with it. Yain and Twinter, uh, as well as Pay for Denmark Links, by the way, all those parties want to restore that, so that's probably going to happen. Uh, But they also want to uh, basically uh, uh, putting pressure on the government to scrap all its very far reaching environmental reforms and particularly the nitrogen fund which is uh, th- 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 this big pot of, uh, I think, I think is it 35 billion euros or something? Awesome. That uh, the government set am. aside uh, over about four years to do things like buy out farmers and basically get the nitrogen oxide levels down um, to uh, in, in response to the uh, uh, council state ruling about four years ago that said that, uh, the, the, that there was too much run nitrogen oxide being pumped into the atmosphere. Um, and the government was legally obliged to reduce it. Uh, mm. But Yare and Trintoch uh, say we should be supporting farmers, not making them give up their livelihoods because one of the proposals is to uh, have a buyout plan uh, for livestock farms in particular. Um, Nannifer said the party would demand a high price for its consent. Uh, so we've had a kind of a week of talks. there's really not much sign of progress um, and the clock is ticking. Um, and it's also worth mentioning that uh, some, of the, some a lot of these opposition parties, uh, including, I think, yeah, 21 and uh, GroenLinks, uh, have asked for a debate in Parliament because they argued that you know this should actually be discussed all out in the open in the spirit of the new administrative culture that uh, Martin yeah. Ritter promised us. But uh, the coalition parties basically said, uh, not now, new administrative culture, please. We <laughs> want to do it all behind closed doors in the old-fashioned way.
0: Yeah, so, n- well, yeah, negotiation, uh, negotiating in, 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 in broad daylight is never a good... Uh, 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 idea, I think, if you uh, at least want to uh, make some progress. Um, but yeah, it's uh, either way. Uh, the coalition has to make concessions on. Yeah, it's kind of
1: hard-fought uh, coalition uh, proposals. And uh, yeah, I mean, it took them ten months to agree this uh, um this coalition agreement. Which is already running out of date because of course it was drawn up at a time when there was lots of money to spend and the economy was uh, rebounding from coronavirus and now of course we're sort of staring at of, um, the black hole of a recession in the face um, and uh, the government's got all these extra, been saddled with all these extra um, uh, financial burdens like the, uh, like the savers tax.
0: Yeah. Well, I think they, they they in hindsight are very happy that they only agreed on 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 matters in uh, you know uh, in broad terms and not kneel uh, down to the details because, um, yeah, if if you if you have agreed on on every little detail and then you have to uh, 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 open it up again because of the changing circumstances, uh, that's much harder than than when you just have agreed on sort of yeah the
1: yeah well, on the kind of outline. Yeah, just curious the the one of the. Uh, um, uh, reasons they gave for, do- for doing it that way was they said that they were going to involve Parliament much more in actually yeah. agreeing on the details And but then when Parliament comes back and says okay, here's an opportunity to actually have the discussion with Parliament in the in the debating chamber they say, oh no, we can't do that, 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 that then we're not going to come to any decisions so, no yeah uh, yeah
0: yeah I mean they, they can debate in in you know, as I said in in, in in the parliamentary chamber about this yeah. and they can they can have an open discussion but yeah that doesn't will not necessarily lead to a result I think perhaps yeah. it does maybe it is uh, it is it is worth trying yeah
1: doing it kind of the the old-fashioned way hasn't uh, yielded much results uh, so far so
0: no that's right we will so see. yeah maybe it's time to uh, to try something completely different yeah Dozens of uh, asylum seekers spent part of Tuesday night on the grass outside the National Accommodation Centre for Refugees in Ter Apel. The organization responsible for housing refugees said the facility in Groningen was full and there was no space for new arrivals. Staff handed out blankets and found space in waiting rooms for the most vulnerable people. The uh, refugee accommodation agency COA and the mayor of Westerwalde, in which apple is located, found additional space in Budel, 275 kilometers away, but it took some time before transportation could be arranged. The next day, Co expected that there wouldn't be space for another 200 people. And as a response, the Red Cross came to, came into action together with UNICEF and uh, set up tents outside the Terrapo facility and served food and coffee. Uh, the Red Cross called the situation below every humanitarian bar and utterly unacceptable. Uh, the tents weren't needed in the end and were dismantled uh, the next day. But yeah, it says it's quite a shameful um, situation if the Red Cross needs to come into action uh, for some something as uh, fundamental as, you know, housing people that uh, come to your country as refugees.
1: Yeah. um, And these aren't new problems, of course. This has been an ongoing thing.
0: Now, the Municipality and Safety Board have repeatedly warned about overcrowding problems at the asylum facility for uh, over six months. Uh, The lack of beds have been made worse by chef shortages and a backlog in processing people who have been granted asylum but are still waiting for a permanent home. Uh, So-called emergency pavilions were erected to accommodate a growing number of people inside the facility. But the uh, marquee tents were removed last month because they offered little privacy. And the tents also fell short of uh, yeah. Accept basic acceptable standards such as hygiene and personal safety. Uh, and in the meantime, tensions among the asylum seekers have been rising for quite some time. Uh, there have been uh, reports of fights on site, and officials feared the cramped conditions could also trigger an outbreak of coronavirus infections. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of problems. And, yeah. uh, and, the, and no, I think, as
1: well, it was, it was the Children's Ombudsman who, who, who raised sound the alarm about a month ago and said that children in the camp were basically just being neglected. And
0: yeah, they weren't exactly. even being
1: woken up in the morning because there was nowhere for them to go. They weren't getting any education they weren't they were barely even getting you know so sort of basic uh, basic provisions or you know no one was paying attention to them basically they were just being left to fend for themselves
0: yes exactly so yeah a lot of problems and also a lot of problems that uh, yeah have been uh uh going on for quite some time and yeah it's just um very frustrating, and also, I, I believe the, the director said, Yeah, we, we have requested uh, uh, the Hague to you know, uh, uh, help us so many times, but yeah, the, the, nothing really has been done except for these um, uh, emergency tents, which uh, turn out to be uh, uh, not of sufficient quality, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's um it's it, i i think it's very frustrating and also for the people in Apple itself because you know uh it's very overcrowded there people uh don't want to stay inside they go outdoors and yeah they are frustrated and they also cause a lot of problems uh, there as well so yeah, yeah it's um it's the snowball effect of problems which all start with uh yeah little capacity at this facility.
1: Yeah, because they have a limit of 2,000 people, but it is the main entry point for asylum seekers into the Netherlands. So if there's suddenly a larger number of asylum seekers, which we've had recently, uh, then it very quickly gets overcrowded and there's overspill, and then it starts all the political fights, and it's frustrating and kind of shocking, really, just to see... Um, that uh, we can't seem to provide just basic care, uh, a safe place, you know, um, hot meals, sanitary conditions uh, for people who you know, already come to the country, kind of traumatized and fleeing conflict. And uh, all that really happens is that the. Politicians all get cold feet and pass a butt between each other. So you know, the, the local authorities, the municipality, they say sound the alarm in The Hague and they go over and they say there's a crisis into Apple. But the, politi- the politicians in The Hague just kind of tr- come up with temporary solutions to what is clearly a much more structural, long term problem. And no one wants to really sit down and fix it. Partly, I guess, because they're they're, they're terrified that the, you know the the right wing populist politicians like Cliff Wilders and uh, uh, Tiéboude are going to jump up and start making a, making an issue of it and making capital from it, and so everything gets frozen.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very frustrating indeed. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so so yeah, uh, how has the cabinet responded this
0: time? Well, deputy justice minister Erik van den Burg, uh who is responsible for <coughs> who is responsible for immigration, asked uh, the Groningen safety board to arrange emergency shelter. Expect the shortages of beds will continue for at least a week, uh, and calls on municipalities and other safety regions to help spread asylum seekers over the country and arrange more capacity in asylum seekers centres. So basically, he responded the same way as he always yeah. does. Yeah. Um, and uh, so again, yeah. They
1: basically, to basically pass the back to the to, to the to the provinces and. And, uh, and the local councils um, yeah, and exactly. came up with a temporary solution to a problem that is not just going to magically disappear in two weeks. So another head in yeah, another head in the sand moment. More women than men completed their PhD at Dutch universities in the last academic year, and it's the first time that women have been in the majority, and marks a huge shift from 30 years ago when fewer than one in five doctorates were awarded to women. The Rathenau Institute, which compiled the data, said women were clearly ahead in arts and social sciences, but still had ground to make up in the sciences, where they accounted for just 38% of PhDs, and at Delft University of Technology, the proportion was as low as 31%.
0: So, uh, does that mean now that we're seeing more women in high-flying
1: careers? Uh not yet no um oh. though in the academic world uh, we are seeing that uh, uh, women catch up about a quarter of university professors and 43 percent of ordinary lecturers are female and 20 years ago just six and a half percent of full professors were women uh, however progress is slower in the corporate world uh, business magazine quote 500 has just published its ranking of the top 100 young self-made millionaires um uh, are you on this list paul uh, not yet. Not yet. I'm, I'm sure you must be close. <laughs>
0: depends, on the, depends on our new Patreon uh, donors. Uh, That's true. Yeah. This week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but it features just three women in this top 100, and they all work in the world of fashion. So uh, Do they? Yeah. Uh, Sharon Hilkers of Make My Jewelry, whose as wealth well is estimated at uh, 45 million, and then Model Datskurs and designer Nikki Plessen. Who are both reckoned to be worth 28 million. Uh, top yeah, of the d- list. Doutce yeah.
0: Cruz is uh, is indeed a model, but she she has um, uh, uh, during the Corona pandemic she sort of turned into this um, uh, conspiracy theory believing uh, lunatic. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I believe le- it was only yesterday she was uh, she said she, she was concerned about chemtrails. So yeah, yeah,
1: she, she's, uh, a model, she's a model wappy as well. Yeah, as model wappy. Well yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so a lot of money is not a guarantee of um, remain it a same no um, yeah the top of the whole
1: list is uh, Adrian Moll, the the form the founder of payment system Molly uh, which you will have used oh. if you bought anything online basically um, and quote estimates his fortune at 3.5
0: billion so um yeah and this is the of course the 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 list of self-made millionaires and not um uh, uh, with the richest wealth. people in yeah. the Netherlands because yeah. uh, the, the 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 richest person uh, in the Netherlands uh, is um uh, what's her name again? Oh, uh, it's Charlotte van Heineken. Charlotte von Heineken. Uh, Charlotte von Heineken. Yeah, von Heineken? she's, she's yeah. not named Heineken, but she's the heir yeah. of the Heineken fortune. That's right. uh, she has a different name, but uh, yeah, she is the. She, she has always been uh, the richest person uh, in the Netherlands for uh, as long <laughs> as I can remember. So yeah. she, at least women um, topped that list. There's also something about um, paid parental leave, right? Um, what's that about?
1: Yeah, the, the, I mean the, the, that again is another measure, I, I guess, to try and um, uh, rebalance things um when when, uh, when people have young children that uh, uh that the, they're extending new uh pay parental leave um for new fathers or second partners uh, obviously um who and now who have had the right to up to six weeks parental leave since 2019 uh, and from august this year that's being extended to nine weeks um, oh, yeah. Although you only get seventy percent of your salary, so not everybody is, is, is uh, not everybody can afford it. But around three quarters of new fathers or partners take some extra time off when their children are born. Uh, although sixteen percent only take the minimum of five days, and forty percent said they couldn't afford it. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. yeah, extending parental leave is seen as a thing, which is a thing. They've, another thing they've done in Scandinavian countries just to make both partners um, you know, give them more, more legal equal. rights to spend time yeah. at home with their children, which uh, again kind of balances the. Uh, uh, the family situation. But Social Affairs Minister Kain von Kennep said there were no plans to make any further changes and the expansion of paternity leave is a cultural shift that takes time. Well, I mean, it certainly takes time if uh, the government isn't actually legislating <laughs> for it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only did, there was did, did a way to...
0: Uh, to, to, to uh, to not make it uh, take time. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it, 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 it's kind of, a, once again, it's, uh, it, it's this horrible cult of kind of individual responsibility. You know, if people just do things for themselves or expecting people to uh, take on uh, uh, responsibility for themselves rather than just organizing it, which is what we saw with a, uh, with, uh, with the face masks during the pandemic. Uh, the Consumers ministers constantly said, oh, we can't make people make, wear face masks. Well, actually, it's, it's exactly what you can do as a government. And when you did, people started wearing them. Sleepless nights, tantrums, toys being hurled from prams and a constant battle to clean up someone else's mess. Uh, yes, the trade of karma can be a hard place to make sense of sometimes. But we do our best to bring you the latest Dutch news, slices of life and op and we couldn't do it without your support. Yes, it's a moment in the podcast when we say thank you to the patrons whose donations keep us going. And if you're not already a patron, you can sponsor us on Patreon for as little as a dollar, a pound or a euro a month and in return we'll give you a shout out and the chance to ask us a question, which we'll do our best to answer in the next episode. This week, we do have a question uh, from our latest new patron, uh, Jan, who uh, we uh, uh, introduced uh, last week. Um, Jan uh, came back to us uh, with the question and a uh, little bit of uh, uh, information about himself. Uh, he says he moved to The Hague in 2004. He's a French originally. He found a new job and he's lived in The Hague ever since. And he says huh. The Hague is now his hometown, even though he's worked in Rotterdam for most of the time he's been here. But he's got a question about the people in The Hague or the natives of The Hague. You have two words for people who live in The Hague. And uh, he says, I've many, heard many theories about the difference between people who are called Hagenaar and people who are called Hagenese. And he's asking uh, whether we can clarify what the situation is. He says he's heard it relates to people who are born in The Hague and uh, others who live in The Hague but came from somewhere else originally, but also that possibly it's the difference between people living in the, the sandy suburbs and uh, the peaty suburbs, which we've talked about before. So, uh, yeah, are you able to shed any light, Paul?
0: Uh, it has to do with uh, with the peat and sand uh, situation. Uh, someone who lives on the sand, so one uh, 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 a posh person, typically Ooh. is a hagenaar, and someone who lives on the on the peaty soil, so that's the. Uh, yeah, the, the the working class uh, person that's Hagen uh, Nees that's the historic uh, difference between that but you know as the Hague has grown and become much fuller the, this this distinction uh, it, it's still there uh, as uh, you already said I think uh, Gordon when you just walk from one street to another sometimes you are in a completely different neighborhood in, mm. in the Hague uh, so the difference is still there but it has sort of faded over the years uh, and now it has evolved in Meaning that a Hagenese is someone um, who has been born and raised in The Hague, while a Hagenaar uh, is someone who comes from outside. So that's that's now the contemporary meaning. But it has to do with, with the soil type, with yeah. the heterogeneous uh, soil of the Netherlands. So, yeah, that's what it means basically.
1: The contrast in The Hague is quite striking for people who haven't lived there between uh, the, the, these uh, suburbs, that were originally built on the peaty soil, where the Hagenesen, who, to, who tend to be uh, much poorer and more socially deprived, um, live, and, uh, and, and the more sandy suburbs. And the, the, the land from Medefort, which is long, I think it's officially the longest street in Europe or something, it's like six kilometres long. And to the north of okay. the land from Medefort tends to be the Hagenaren, and to the south, you tend to have the Hagenesen, although it's not a uniform thing. You do get sandy suburbs suburbs south of the, the land as well um, and of course you have Downdorp, right by the dunes which is definitely not a kind of buurt by, by anyone's no. definition well
0: it is built on the sand literally it yeah. is
1: literally built on the sand as the name suggests yeah. Yeah, built in the dunes I, I found quite a nice interview with Wim uh, de B who's one half of a very famous Dutch comedy duo who's from the Hague originally and he said that uh, he was born in the Hague but then he uh, as his career developed and became rich and famous he moved out to, and he went to live in Amsterdam and ended up in Huttgoi but then towards the end of his life, now, now that he's around 80, he's moved back to The Hague. But he says when he was born, he was a Hagenese, but he now thinks of himself as a Hagenar, because he's mm, been yeah. out and seen the world and lived in Atgoi, so he doesn't really feel Hagenese anymore.
0: No, so that's yeah. that sort of uh, uh, shows the, the evolving meaning of, of the yeah. distinction, I think.
1: Yeah, and he probably lives in the Vogelwijk as well by now, or, so, <laughs> or somewhere equally, you know, uh, well healed. So... He yeah, just moved exactly. away from his Sagenet's roots. If you'd like to become a sponsor of the Dutch News Podcast, log on to www.patreon.com slash DutchNewsNL.
0: 11 men have been jailed for between one and nine years for their role in the sea container torture chamber case. It's a real tongue (laughs) twister. That's a hell of a title, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Uh, Yeah, that case made headlines around the world when the gang was rounded up in 2020. The case centered on seven soundproofed sea containers in a warehouse in Brabant, which had been kitted out as cells, and in one case as a torture chamber, complete with a dentist chair and restraining straps on the floor and on the ceiling. Police discovered the containers in Wausse Plantage, not far from, uh, from where I grew up, after intercepting uh, encrypted messages between gang members. They also seized a chest, freezer, garden clippers and gas burners, which could have been used to torture the victims. Ringleader Roger P., nicknamed Pete Costa, was jailed for 33 months, which comes on top of the 15-year sentence he was already given last month for smuggling cocaine on massive scales. Judges at the high security court in Amsterdam said the gang was guilty of a variety of crimes including preparing to kidnap and torture rival gang members as well as their families. Which is uh, even more horrifying, I think. Yeah. The sea containers plus chat messages provided sufficient evidence to convict the gang, the court said. One message read out in court said, we must have enough belts and tie wraps to tie them up. And another said, we need pliers for fingers and toes. Yes. Ouch. P's uh, right-hand man, uh, with or without fingernails, uh, that was made clear, was jailed for eight years. He was found guilty of collecting information about potential victims, among other charges. Police said the planned abductions had been prepared with great care, with an observation team and a large number of guns, police uniforms, minibuses, stop signs, and bulletproof vests. Yeah, so that shows their plan, right? They wanted to pretend there's a uh, arrest team and, uh, yeah, in that way, uh, just, just arrest one of their victims or... Yeah. Or perhaps their families as well. The gang had argued that the containers had been kitted out to scare victims or to use for growing marijuana. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very high-profile case, uh, very disturbing indeed. Yeah, to yeah. see uh, you know criminals literally preparing making preparations to torture uh, uh, others and also something that, that just looks to come out straight of a horror movie, right? This dentist chair. Yeah, absolutely. When he, when he saw it, you actually
1: saw, yes, saw the dentist chair all wrapped in plastic inside the sea container and with, with, with the torture equipment uh, yeah. attached to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and the police really made use of of you know uh, using it also as a sort of uh, publicity stunt because you know as soon as they had rounded up this torture facility in Vaucher Plantage they released pictures of of the whole scene and also of uh you know the the fake police uniforms and all the um yeah, all the other tools that were present there. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, they uh, uh they made sure we could enjoy everything that uh, that has been going on and and I I also read uh, Saskia Belleman a, a court reporter of the yeah. Telegraaf so, uh, she attended the ruling, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's she's if you if you read Dutch, she's really a a, uh, a great tip to follow on yeah. Twitter because she uh, she always follows the high-profile cases in yeah. the Netherlands. And she
1: live tweets in the courtroom.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, she does a really good job, and yeah, uh, yeah if you can read Dutch, then uh, th- it's a great tip. And also, it's quite disturbing that this happened. Yeah, almost five, uh, five ten minutes away from from where I grew up. I yeah. mean, I, I passed that warehouse um, hundreds of times when I was young, and uh, yeah, now as well.
1: Hopefully, there wasn't a torture chamber in there at the time. Who knows? I uh, I never <laughs>
0: heard anything, or uh, I have been paid to to remain silent, so yeah, I'm not going to say anything.
1: You were never called up there for for a dentist appointment?
0: No. <laughs> I have to say I find regular dentist
1: appointments uh, frightening enough uh, in, in, in the Netherlands <laughs> never mind in a, in, a, in a torture chamber
0: well perhaps they can sedate you with uh, some sort of substance uh, they have at hand but I don't think that they will use anesthesia in their uh, particular practice
1: yeah uh, yeah. I also love the detail that their excuse their defense was that uh, oh no it, it wasn't an illegal torture chamber we were just growing drugs <laughs>
0: yeah. that's a very Brabant kind of response isn't it? So, yeah, indeed, yeah,
1: yeah everyone's growing drugs around here what's the problem
0: yeah <laughs> what's the problem yeah, yeah and also Um, they were caught because of this this encrypted message service was cracked by uh, I believe it was the French police and they really felt that they were Untouchable, uh, right? If you if you read what they were saying to each other, I mean, one of these gang members had this shopping list of torture material yeah. uh, which he had sent to to another person, and yeah, the the police could literally read what they were wanting to do and and with what they wanted to do it. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, enormous blow for for the organized crime.
1: Yeah, I like to think that they that they got caught uh, when uh, one of the gang members uh, sent a tikki to his colleagues for for for, for 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 their share of the torture materials. For the clippers, yeah. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, for the players. Sports news. Ajax have been crowned Dutch League champions for the 36th time after they coasted to a 5-0 victory against fame It was the last match in charge for Erik ten Haag, who's leaving for Manchester United after winning the Eredivisie title three times in four seasons. And uh, the only thing that stopped him winning four titles was coronavirus because the 2021 season was cut short and there wasn't uh, a title awarded that year. Ten Hag acknowledged his team had stuttered in recent weeks, but he praised their resilience and winning mentality. Meanwhile, at the other end of the table, it was heartbreak for Peck After 10 years in the top flight, they have been relegated to the Kokenkampion Divisi after they lost 2-0 to relegation rivals Sparta, Sparta have put themselves in a great position to escape the drop after taking seven points in three games. Since uh, Maris Stein, one of these lucky like bald uh, football coaches that we seem to be uh, running off a production line in the Netherlands, uh, he took over from Henk Fraser. Willem Tve are now favourites to go down with the pick. They need to win then in their last match on Sunday and hope that both Sparta and Fortuna sit out to drop points. And coming up from the lower division are Emmen and uh, FC Fallen Dumb. So, well done to them. And Fallen Dam last week unveiled their new chairman. Uh, any ideas who it might be?
0: Could it possibly be a Eurovision Song Contest commentator? Is he a Eurovision Song Contest commentator? Yeah, he is. Oh,
1: ah, is he? Yeah, a very famous <laughs> fo- uh, the son of Fallen Dam. <laughs> Jan Smith. Jan Smith, yes. Uh, yeah. Who is perhaps, I think, is he most famous for an interview with his mother? on uh, the dutch television well he's no. famous for many things but that was one he's of famous things. for many yeah. things
0: but that's something that uh, really uh, uh, really stands out uh, to me indeed there was a highly covered celebrity breakup between oh. him and Yolanta uh, Cabau van kaspergen yes. and um because they were celebrities it was all over the media and all over the boulevard press yeah. um, and the tabloids and um it turns out that Yolanta had uh, taken with her the entire interior and all the stuff from their house. And then Jan Smith's mother complained about this in a very famous interview to SBS (laughs) Show News. Uh, She listed all the things she had taken with her, and uh, it was almost a a shopping list for torture chambers. Uh, (laughs) So so much stuff uh, was in there. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, she, she had paper towels and entire... Uh, cutlery sets and uh, bed sheets, which was used by Willem Alexander and Maxima, yeah. and yeah, the the list goes on and on and on. But that's not what he what he's most famous of. He's yeah. just a singer from Volendam Yeah, and I yeah. think if you're from Germany, you probably know him as well because when he was a young boy, he was also a hit in Germany. I think oh, was he right? Yeah, he's he made a song about his grandmother, and that
1: yeah, uh, yeah, it's a real slice of kind of indigenous Dutch celebrity culture. worth worth looking up on YouTube.
0: He also starred. Now I come to think of right. it, of the in, in the worst movie. Movie uh, the <laughs> Netherlands had ever produced, which is which is, a, which is an impressive achievement. Yeah, it's a strong field. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he played the leading role in uh, the bombardments. Um, oh yes, about yeah. the bombardments of Rotterdam. That was it's on Netflix. You can watch yeah. it. And uh, just let us know what you think and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah. If you if you want to experience a closer thing to, 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 to actually being being in a sea contained torture chamber, uh, <laughs> without leaving your home, then uh, watching the bombardment on Netflix must run it pretty close.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or watch Eurovision, but we'll come to that uh, later. Yeah. I didn't expect to talk about John Smith in two <laughs> different items. Uh, I have to admit. Uh, let's continue with the sports section yeah. because there was also some upheaval around Ajax's celebration, right?
1: Yes, because uh, Amsterdam's mayor Fabke Halsema cancelled uh, the Ajax uh, victory parade or the celebrations in on Museumplein.
0: And did it return after it was cancelled, just like uh, uh, Vandaag Inside and uh, the the program of Johan Dirks- Yeah, Like
1: Johan Dierksen, yeah, who said he'd been cancelled by the woke elite like three weeks ago and then, <laughs> and then and then, last week said he was going back on television so basically he just took on an Easter holiday and claimed he'd been cancelled which was yeah. uh, ingenious of him but you know, Famke Halsema said he'd been buried under threats uh, after the city council decided uh, that it wasn't safe to go ahead with the traditional celebrations on Museum Plain two years ago uh, at Halsema's instigation the festivities were, were, were reinstated and 100,000 fans packed into the square uh, but this year the whole idea was, for, was, was vetoed on safety grounds and uh, the council confined the celebrations to the area around the stadium, although uh, some fans had a different idea and uh, turned up outside uh, Halsema's official residence uh, with uh, waving flags. The fans showed uh, that there was actually absolutely no threat to safety by setting fire to banners in the city centre (laughs) as they celebrated uh, uh, Ajax's victory. Justice Minister and self-proclaimed Ajax fan Dilan Ysilgas also came out in support of the mayor. Uh, She said the mud thrown at the mayor was unworthy of our club.
0: Well, it's To to me, as a complete outsider, uh, it it seems like a... Very typical, uh, yeah. <laughs> typical thing <laughs> related to their club, but uh, that's uh, that's a different story. Now, I have no connection whatsoever, uh, no no emotional connection whatsoever with football. So, t- to me, as a complete outsider, it's just baffling to see these reactions after these sort of things. I mean, and also the next day there was some some news about uh, celebrations of Feynord if they win the yeah if they win the
1: Conference League, yeah, which has been played in uh, Albania.
0: Yeah, in Albania it wouldn't be celebrated at the co- traditional side of the call single mm. in front of the city. Holland in, in Rotterdam, and that also sparked so much over. Yeah, it's just a
1: massive overreaction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just always uh, very uh, baffling to me to see uh, these sort of reactions. um Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just can't imagine uh, you're watching football, and then all of a sudden you have this urge to set a parasol on fire, right? <laughs> at the lights. Fl- I just can't imagine that that's a reaction of someone in any situation, let alone. A football match, and, and it was also some 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 sad news about uh, a former Ajax player this week, right? Yeah, very sad and a uh, mysterious
1: news, uh, frankly, um, around uh, the death of uh, Jody Lukoki, uh, who was twenty nine years old and died suddenly. Uh, his death was announced by SA Twente, his current club, hmm. on Monday. Jody Lukoki, he'd been a product of Ajax's youth setup. He was a, a Dutch and Congolese national. He he played, a, uh, I think, about three matches for Congo, and uh, also played for the Netherlands as a youth team player. But uh, after playing about 35 Five times for Ajax, he was released and uh, had a bit of a nomadic career. He went round, uh, He went to Pexvolle for a while, then he went to Ludegretz in Bulgaria. Huh. But last July, he moved back to the Netherlands. He signed for Twente, but straight away, he injured his knee in training and never actually played a game. But then all of a sudden, on Tuesday, his death was announced out of the blue. And in the course of the week, more details emerged uh, of a fight to family party. In Almira, which uh, he had apparently been involved in uh, But the details are very sketchy Not least because he ended up in hospital But he wasn't taken straight from the party to hospital He turned up some time later Complaining of a headache and pain in his leg And the doctors found that he was suffering from oxygen deprivation uh, mm-hmm. They decided his leg needed to be amputated So he went into the operating theatre And while he was uh, on the table Seemingly he suffered a cardiac arrest and he was pronounced dead early on Monday morning, and this is now a police investigation. But it's all very hazy. The police say they haven't; they're still missing some crucial details, not least exactly when and where the party took place, the, where he was allegedly assaulted, and of course they, they, they haven't said for sure whether or not it was actually connected to his death. But very sad because he, he seems to have had a troubled life. I think in in, uh, in February he was released from his contract after he was convicted for, of um, uh, abusing his girlfriend. He'd also, I think, uh, early in his career uh, had a conviction for handling stolen goods. Um, and at some okay. point his career seems to have just gone, gone on the slide and gone off the rails. And he's now very sadly passed away at the age of 29.
0: That's a very sad story indeed and uh, condolences to his family and to his friends and to his relatives. Um, And elsewhere, Max Verstappen's uh, defense on his uh, Formula 1 title has uh, stepped up a gear, right? Yeah, Verstappen
1: won the first Grand Prix to be held in Miami at the weekend uh, after he started in third place. Uh, There seemed to have been a lot of talk before the race about the track. Lots of criticism and saying it would be impossible to overtake. But um, he managed to overtake Charles Leclerc, his great rival, on the ninth lap and never looked in danger after that. Uh, And that means that uh, Leclerc still leads the Drivers' Championship, but the gap is down to
0: 19 points. Some 2.2 million people in the Netherlands watched the Dutch entry Esteen qualify for Saturday's Eurovision Song Contest final with the song De Diepte. Esteen was the last of the 10 finalists to be announced, and she said afterwards that the wait had been nerve-wracking. But it is May 10th, I am called Esteen, and I was the 10th to be named, she said, so I guess it is the way it was meant to be in a weird way line of reasoning Um, (laughs) but that's okay Duncan Lawrence who uh, won the contest uh, for the Netherlands in 2019 described Estine's performance as absolutely wonderful and also the international press was uh, enthusiastic about her as well as the bookmakers who rank her now as uh, the number eighth most likely um, entry to win uh, and she now surpassed the uh, Dancing Bananas of Norway So, uh, yeah, that's. uh,
1: I have to say, I have watched nothing of Eurovision this year so far. So, I I have no idea what these dancing bananas are.
0: Well, that wasn't even the weirdest uh, entry, (laughs) I have to admit. Um, I can believe it. Yeah, Moldova comes to mind. Ukraine still has the highest chance of winning in uh, Turin on mm. Saturday with fifty-four percent, according to the bookmakers, followed by the United Kingdom with eleven percent. So yeah, that's. Uh I
1: have to say, given the UK's recent performances or pariah status, the UK has had in the last few years, <laughs> it, it seems Europe, hard to you. believe that they will get any any votes at all. But uh, who no. knows?
0: yeah who knows no yeah i've uh, unfortunately watched uh, both semi-finals it is always both the absolute highlight as well as the low point of europe i think i, I mean it's it's fun to watch while uh, having twitter open and see all the jokes uh, yeah. coming by um, but for the musical quality you don't have to watch uh, to say the least and no. also the organizational um, qualities of Italy are also not uh, not the best in the world. Turns out they are better at uh, successfully invading Greece than uh, <laughs> organizing Eurovision, and that says a lot. Cool. But yeah, at least uh, the Netherlands uh, went through to the to the finals. That has been uh, different in, in in past years. But yeah, it's um, I mean, the songs only last three minutes, right? And they they just have to make a lasting impression on people watching if they want to want to have votes. Yeah. And that means they are focusing on ridiculous uh, uh, performances, ridiculous outfits. Uh, strange dancers uh, rather than um, uh, sending in nice songs so uh, yeah it's uh, usually there's a balance between good music and you know ridiculous performances but yeah. this year the balance is a little bit off
1: yeah and of course if, if Ukraine win then they'll have to host it next year so yeah I was thinking about that they, they, yeah. they'll have to hurry up with winning the war <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably see a lot of tractors on stage uh, uh, next year I think pulling in um, burnt out
1: Russian tanks yeah, like exactly, turrets, and hopefully the, the fireworks missing. will
0: not be provided by the Russian Federation. No,
1: no, no they will, but they'll just send a lot of tanks, will get blown oh. up. <laughs> That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash NL and earn yourself a free shout-out on the podcast and the chance to ask a question. My thanks to Paul Paters. I'm Gordon Darroch, uh, and we will be back next week. Yeah, because it's not no, Flat we... yet. No, next week we will.
0: Oh, next week isn't Hamelfat. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah.